When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Today it's Scott, Ashley, and me. Uh, we took some questions from our Football Insider subscribers, so we talk a little salary cap. We talk some Browns offense and how it looks different. We look at the cornerback situation, uh, the defense, all sorts of things covered here on today's Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Our questions came from our Football Insider subscribers, so if you want to get involved, go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. Uh, become one of our tech subscribers, and of course, get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. All right, here we go. Our Friday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Friday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We asked our Football Insider subscribers for questions, as we like to do. And as they like to do, they came through with some questions for us. So we're going to start by talking a little salary cap. Because, uh, you know, look, with David Njoku signing his extension, uh, Miles Garrett has been extended, Denzel Ward, uh, Deshaun Watson, of course, has, has been paid. You know, a lot of key players have been paid. We're past June 1st now. So Jim and Boardman, he had a cap question, and he actually addressed this specifically to you, Scott. How much 2022 cap space do you think the Browns need to roll over into next year to help cover uh, the much larger nut they'll face with so many new contracts hitting the books? So, uh, you know, Baker is still on the books, of course, as he mentions, for $18 million. Uh, but I've mentioned this, too. I'm sure, and, and we saw this going back to Sashi Brown, this team likes to roll over cap space, and they've mm-hmm. really used that to their advantage, Scott, to have that cap space to turn a $200 million cap into a $230 million cap. I, I think that's something they really value. Yeah, I think last year they led the league in, in cap rollover, and they might do it again because as of right now, according to uh, Over the Cap, they're at 40, almost $41 million, which is the most cap space of anybody. For uh, 2022, uh, I don't know if I don't think it really matters if Clowney's in there or not. That the base salary on that I don't think was even was very big. Um, but at any rate, um, next year totally different story. <laughs> um, they are down here. Let's see, they are 29th. Uh, they're 29 million <laughs> in the hole. So I guess you do have that there between uh, rolling over 40 million and you know being 29 million in the hole i i don't know like if there's a number that i'm sure they have a number that they want to roll over but the other thing to consider here is there aren't any obvious cap casualties like guys you could release and save a significant amount of money like they had this offseason you had a handful of guys in that in that scenario and even somebody like austin hooper who they designated the June 1st um, cut and, and save some money there. There really isn't. I mean, you have, you know, Teller, Chubb, Antonio, those guys, their contracts are really kicking in. They're taking a jump next year. Obviously Deshaun Watson's got tons of um, guaranteed money, but like Amari Cooper probably has like the most money that the Browns could save. But even then they're eating 15 million. 
So I don't know if he's really a, a candidate for that. You, you got guys on the smaller end, if they're looking for money, like Jed Wills, they could save a couple million and only have to, to take on a couple in return. Um, but it's, it's really, there aren't many guys like that. Jakeem Grant, you know, if they decide after one year, they want to move on from him. Um, but there aren't a lot of options there, but it's, at the end of the day, if you're going to be up against the cap, like now's the time to do it. This is the situation, right? They're they're not building anything. They're built. They got your quarterback. You got talent all over the place. You expect to be successful. So the window's now. And yeah, you're paying a lot of money to a lot of key players, but you know that it's going to happen at some point. You can't always just be uh, looking to add people. It's this is the group and. You're paying for it, but that's that's why you play is to get to this point where you have good players, they're making money, and you're supposed to be successful. And and Ashley, when you kind of look at where all that money is, it it's not like there's some albatross of a contract there that you're like, oh my god, I can't believe they're paying this guy that much money. I mean, maybe David and Joku, but we've talked about it. They're they're kind of betting on upside there. They believe that that contract is going to be worth what they're paying him eventually whenever that that kind of hits its biggest number so i mean like if you're going to be up against the cap eventually be up against the cap for miles garrett and denzel ward and deshaun watson and amari cooper i mean these are players that are going to help you win you know nick chubb these are players that are going to help you win football games yeah and i think like scott was saying when you look at the end of the 2021 season like there were some really obvious guys we knew were probably going to be gone like jc treader was one we were talking about that in like december uh and same with jarvis landry because it just seemed like no team out there was was going to be willing to pay him like 16 million dollars or whatever it was like it just was really really obvious those moves they might make to to help themselves and especially like I said, the JC Treader move happened like right before they really went after Deshaun Watson. It helped them clear some more space. Like, like you're saying, there just really isn't that obvious guy. And like with a guy like David Njoku, for example, like we all know how the Browns feel about him. Like it would be basically, I think, impossible for them to turn like a dime on in a year and be like, oh, he he's not worth that, you know? Um, so yeah, it is going to be interesting, but the guys you have are like, guys who are worth it in in a way taking up that space because it is a guy like miles garrett like there's not much else you can do in that regard and they haven't been shy about restructuring things either they did it with jack conklin they did it with chris hubbard a couple years ago who's this was it this regime i can't even remember i think it was one of the first things ab did actually yeah so you know there there is also that um little guys who be who might be eligible for that and be willing to do that to kind of stretch things out. And, you know, they get maybe a little more guaranteed in return, something like that. But, you know, and look at a guy like Amari Cooper, you know, we've talked about this. If he has a really good season and he looks around the landscape and says, Hey, I'd kind of like a little more money than, than 20 million. You could kind of redo that contract and structure it. Like you have these other deals where it's like, okay, yeah, we'll do that. And you're going to, we're going to knock that cap number from 20 million down to, 1 million this year, you know, one and a half million this year. And, and you kind of stretch him out a little bit then. And, and, and you can have him for longer because he's still such a young player. Cause, cause I would imagine if he has a big year, if he has 1200 yards and eight touchdowns or 10 touchdowns and is the number one receiver and the Browns go to the AFC championship game, 
it, it, he would certainly be within his right to say, you know, I'd like to be among the highest paid receivers in the league. I, I think I'm pretty important to you guys. And, and that could actually work out to the Browns advantage. Yeah. And this whole thing is fluid too. The cap's going to go up. Um, nobody really knows how much. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is good that they have the majority of their core players locked up, but yeah, somebody like Amari Cooper, um, they could be in that position. And I, I thought it was, I was waiting to see what they did in the wide receiver market to kind of get an idea of what they really thought of wide receiver value, because we always expected that like, you know, Landry would be gone. And if OBJ had made it through the season, I think a lot of people expected that they would have moved on from him as well. Cause they wouldn't have had, they wouldn't have been stuck with much uh, money with him either. So uh, now you could be in a situation with Amari situation with Amari Cooper, where maybe you do have to pay him a little more. I'm curious to see if Andrew Barry would do that. Um, that might depend on how the other guys develop, you know, the guys like DPJ and Anthony Schwartz, David Bell, uh, on whether or not they'd want to do something like that. Okay. Ronnie from Chapmanville, West Virginia has a Jeremiah Owusu Koromo question. Uh, given what you've seen, will JOK be unleashed when the season starts? He has the makings of a difference maker for the defense. Ashley JOK. I, I think he might be, I think he might be the most interesting kind of player coming back on this defense. I think we sort of know what everyone else looks like and we kind of want to see maybe what that next step is, but JOK, it's like, I still think the the possibilities are endless. And I think you asked Joe Woods yesterday about, you know, do you kind of continue to, to lengthen that leash a little on him? Yeah. I tried to, to get at this with him and it sounded like a yes, like that <laughs> he, he took it a bit more broad, right? Like he brought up some of the other guys they had last year uh, who were also new, like Tack McKinley, like Jadavian Clowney, like Malik McDowell, who obviously isn't here anymore. Um, and, and, you know, last year he talked a lot about simplifying things, which, uh, you hear coaches say a lot, especially earlier this season, uh, early in the seasons or the off seasons. But um, yeah, I mean, JOK is kind of a a person who is endlessly intriguing to me for this reason. I think when we did the the end of the year awards, I said I, I picked him for Newsom over like my rookie of the year, whatever we called it on, on that podcast episode, uh, just because I, I really love Greg Newsom and what he's done so far. But I think JOK's versatility uh, is going to allow them to throw more at him. And I know when we've talked about it recently, like one of the areas I think that's especially true is, is maybe in his blitzing and especially like the way you saw him as a rookie, maybe maybe the sack wasn't always there, but you saw him impact plays when you're watching the game and that there's not a stat attributed to that, but you could see it and you saw glimpses of it, especially earlier in the year. So I definitely think so. I would like to see them quote unquote unleash him the the way the question was worded uh, and allow him to do more of that stuff, because I think it could look really interesting given the way he can also drop back in coverage for them. Yeah. I was trying to figure out like, what would unleash mean? Like what, like I took that it be... as rushing the passer, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and I and probably just basically staying on the field. I think that would mm-hmm. probably be some of it as well. And looking at him as somebody who you could use in just about any situation. Um, but yeah, I'd imagine that that rushing the passer will be part of it. Uh, maybe he's, I don't know, maybe he's in the slot more, uh, covering people. I think it's just being on the field more. It's weird because by the end of last season, and even now. It just seems like he's, you know, a, a five-year vet, just the way he kind of carries himself and definitely when he talks. Um, 
but watching him on the field and the two OTAs we've been able to see, he just seems very comfortable and confident and seems to be somebody who realizes that even if he's not a vocal leader, he is kind of a leader out there because of the position that he plays and, you know, how well things went last season. And, uh, you know, the thing about JOK too is, I mean, that, that leadership side of it, I don't think he's afraid to be that guy. I think some, some guys, some guys come into the league and they want to be that and it takes them a while or they just don't have the personality. I think miles actually is a guy who kind of needed to find that a little bit. Like, what does that look and sound like? Um, I don't, I don't think JOK is going to have that problem. I think, I think he's a guy that this year could establish himself as like a voice, like an actual voice in that locker room. He's certainly loud enough. He's certainly dynamic enough and, and he's a good player. I think that's, a, that's a big piece of it too. That, that you've got to be a, a good player um, if, if you want to take that step into leadership. Linebacker is interesting. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, this whole Jacob Phillips thing I think is really interesting. I, you know, Anthony Walker will be on this team, but I wonder what his role is going to end up being. Could, could there be a situation where it's Jacob Phillips and JOK playing significantly more snaps than Anthony Walker? You do wonder. And I mean, it's kind of like what we talked about yesterday, like, Jacob Phillips is their draft pick and like, yes, they brought Anthony Walker back on this one year deal, but at some point you want to see ideally that, that starter type of production from those guys. And again, like we saw certain packages where all three of them were on the field at the same time. So that was interesting. And it's obviously still so early to, to glean how much any of this will will actually come into reality on the field once the season actually starts. But uh, it's definitely something to watch for, I think, especially as we get in a training camp and are out there every day. Okay. The other position I want to talk about is cornerback, because I think this is a really interesting position. And we had two questions about corner, uh, one specifically about Greedy Williams, and then another one just about the split. Um, so we'll, we'll use Joe from London, Ohio, his question. What are your thoughts on the split of time for the cornerbacks? Curious is Martin Emerson. Uh, does he look like he have a ch- has a chance to surpass Greedy or uh, is he going to get any slot snaps? And also wonder if they might try him at a safety type role. There's kind of a lot there that, that we can cover here. But the reason I think this is interesting is more often than not, your two outside corners, your two starting outside corners play like 100% of the snaps or 99%. There's going to be three corners that get opportunities here because all indications are pointing to like this Greg Newsom in the slot thing is not an experiment. We saw it last year in practice. We're, or we saw it in games. We're seeing it in practice now. Um, this is, I think there's a real chance where, you know, when you're going against a team that plays 11 personnel a lot, you're going to have those three cornerbacks on the field a lot too. Those snap counts are going to be high. You're going to have three corners, Scott, who yeah. play a lot for this team if Newsom is in fact moving inside when teams go three wide. Yeah, I mean, the the average for 11 personnel with three receivers on the field has been about 60% for a while now. So yeah, there's going to be three corners. Although I don't, I think by the end of the year, Greg Newsom's going to have more, a higher percentage of snaps than Greedy Williams. I think it's going to be a situation where he's moving back and forth between outside and inside. And really, I'm just judging that on some of the stuff we've seen in OTAs, which really isn't a great way to judge what we're going to see come come the season. I'll I'll just, I'll just add to that real quick. I mean, that is what they were doing last year too. When Troy Hill was hurt, they were, they were playing Newsom outside and then they'd slide him inside and then put him back outside when it was, when it was too wide. So I, I think you're right. I think you're going down the right path there. Right. I think 
what you're really saying is Greg Newsom is better than Greedy Williams, period. <laughs> we'll stop. So we'd rather have Greg Newsom on the field, whether it's inside or outside, just as, you know, uh, maybe Troy Hill was the best option for your slot. So you're not going to, you know, he's not your best option outside. So they don't really have that guy who just plays the slot this year, at least from what we've seen so far. Um, but how, how, like how Emerson fits into that. I, I have, I don't know. He's, he's not in that top three. He, I think they did some like dime. He was out there. Um, he's definitely on the second team. Uh, I think it would be him and him and greedy on the outside or him and AJ Brown sometimes, or AJ green uh, on the outside with that next group. Um, but I mean, he's a rookie. And at this point, like, I, I don't know if it was Alex Van Pelt or Stefanski who basically said like, somebody asked about the rookies. Yeah, they're rookies. You know, they're going to take some time. They're just, you know, learning how to swim at this point. And so again, we've seen two OTA practices. It's hard to draw huge conclusions, but I think it is notable, at least in, in Greg Newsom's case, the fact that we have seen him kind of rotate. So Ashley, the part that intrigued me about this question was Martin Emerson playing some safety. Now I, I know that this organ, they like to slow play things and they like to, you know, he's a corner. I'm not saying he's going to be a safety, but this idea of like, oh, could he be out there in those, some of those kind of quote unquote three safety packages? And, you know, could they want to take Ronnie Harrison off the field or somebody like he looks like a safety? He's when you look yeah. at him, it's like, wait, is this guy a corner or is he a safety or a linebacker? He it looks like he could play about four different positions. And I think that's what Joe Woods likes, right? Like a guy could be a corner in name on the roster or whatever, but then playing using that versatility to to maybe play him in some of those looks I don't know like we haven't really seen that obviously yet it's so early uh but it wouldn't surprise me to make some of those you know maybe perceived as like odd uh positional type moves where you are just getting the guys that you want out on the field and figuring out a way to do that so maybe he might fall in that I don't know they seem to like his length and his versatility and again when he was in college he only played at that outside quarter spot. Like he hasn't played in the slot in college, but I, I'm curious to see if they do end up, you know, thinking maybe he has some traits to be able to do that. There's there's no evidence from his college film or anything to show that he would excel at that. Uh, but I just think overall, like we've talked about with the linebackers, how, how he was moving those guys around, how, you know, Anthony Walker can play in the middle, Jacob Phillips can play in the middle. Like he, he just really seems to like that stuff. So I think that's beneficial for players who, who are able to do that in terms of getting on the field. And you're, if you're the Browns at the end of the day, you just want to have a lot of guys who can defend the pass, whether they're playing safety or playing corner, because there are five teams in the NFL who used 11 personnel over 70% of the time. And two of them are in the division, uh, the Steelers and the Bengals. So, uh, you know, you're, you're expecting to, to be in nickel and dime a lot in those games. Well, and the, and the other team in the division is a weird team to cover because they've got, they use a lot of tight ends and, and yes. they run the ball. It's like, you've got to be able to, you know, cover a team that's going to throw the ball out of big personnel packages too. So it's, it's just a weird division. And the reality is in January, you're going to be playing a charger, you know, chargers, Broncos, Bengal. I mean, you're going to be playing these teams where you've got to be able to marry that pass rushing coverage and, if you've got Clowney and Garrett creating pressure, there's going to be opportunities for these corners in the secondary uh, for sure. And, and we've seen people defend the Ravens by having a boatload of defensive backs on the field. I think it's what the Chargers did in the playoffs a few years ago and kind of became 
uh, a system that a lot of people want to copy. Okay, this question is specifically for Ashley because I know she loves this topic. I think she gave no. the textures the update on this topic yesterday. It's uh, Kevin in Loveland, Colorado. Uh, how has Demetric Felton looked? I've got a feeling he could be a sleeper productive player for the Browns this year. I can't get that screen pass touchdown versus Houston out of my head. Thoughts? Now, obviously, look, in OTAs, we, we got a lot of how does so-and-so look. And these are those are tough questions to answer in OTAs. They aren't going full speed. Um, there, there are a lot of walk-through things that we're seeing. There's no hitting. There's no pads. But, you know, we do get kind of get to see where people work, how they're used, things like that. So, Ashley, the floor is yours. You offered the Demetric Felton update yesterday. I am passing the Demetric Felton torch. Please, to you. no. I, I don't think that's possible. All I said was he's it's your weekly Demetric Felton update, and he is with the receivers to start <laughs> practice today. Um, and yeah, I, I still am kind of in the camp that, like, and we've talked about this a lot recently, like, it feels like we, you know, the discussion has been like, they need a, a second receiver. Like, do they have a true second receiver? All that sort of stuff. But at the same time, like that room does, is starting to feel like kind of crowded without that guy, right? Like you have a, guys who have the question marks and then guys who are maybe in the tier below that. And I still am just like, how, how is he going to get on the field? Because the running backs room maybe feels even more crowded now, especially since they brought in Jerome Ford, a guy who, who they obviously like, and I'm, I'm questioning what his path is going to be in that room to get some playing time this year. Um, and yeah, I still am in the camp of, I don't know. It's too early. <laughs> I have no idea. I feel like I had no idea last year with him. Um, and I don't think OTAs is going to, answer that question for us other than being able to tell you all which position group he is in that day that we are standing out there in Berea. You know, I will, I think earlier uh, in the year or either like how, where does he go? How does he get on this roster? And I don't, I, now that I've seen him practicing with the wide receivers, I'm, I'm kind of convinced that he's going to be like the sixth wide receiver. Uh, he's <laughs> not going to be one of the top four. They're going to keep four running backs. They'll be Chubb Hunt, Jonas Johnson and Ford, unless they trade somebody. Um, but it would be those guys. And then he's, you know, he's five or six on the death chart, uh, depending on what you think of Jakeem Grant uh, with the wide receivers. And watching him yesterday, like you could, like there was, I know they weren't going full speed and I know it was only like seven on sevens or whatever, but he was throwing moves out there to get, you know, like to make people kind of just even reach out and miss. And um, so that was, that was kind of, uh, interesting to see um you you kind of reminded of what he can do if he gets out in space and and gets the ball against uh like it's a corner something like that or even with a linebacker which is even better for them um you saw a lot of him doing those short routes right right um you know five yards deep or whatever and, and getting a pass and just beating people to the sideline and going down the sideline so yeah he does have value um and i think this now that I know that wide receiver is still a possibility for him, I think that's how he gets on the roster. Cause again, you, you don't want to just give up one year, two years in on a guy who's so versatile. I I'm really curious about him and I shouldn't say anything about Anthony Schwartz unless Mary Kay is on the pod to, to defend him probably. But <laughs> I like, you know, I've mentioned this when I watch Anthony Schwartz play, I, I still don't quite see that like super fast guy yet for whatever reason, whether he's protecting injury, you know, whatever. Well, hopefully we'll see it this year. 
I do see that shiftiness with Felton. I do see like when the ball is in his hands, you know, he can do some things with it. And, and so that's, I do wonder, like, is there a chance where Felton is more productive than Schwartz in, in 2022? I, you know, one of those two guys will probably end up emerging. I'm curious to see who it is now. Schwartz, we've seen him make some catches in OTAs, which is certainly a, you know, we're seeing him get involved a little bit. Sean Watson spoke to him a little bit uh, yesterday after a play. Uh, he's still really raw. So I, I think some of this is just a matter of him getting caught up and, and kind of being confident and understanding what he's doing on the field a little more. Felton is a little more polished, but uh, I, I do wonder if there's a situation where Felton might be the more productive player in 2022. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll get to a few more questions. And we are back on the orange Brown talk podcast. A uh, little Jacoby Brissett question. You know, we've actually only seen two quarterbacks. I don't think we've seen Josh Dobbs take any team reps. Uh, it's just been a lot of Deshaun Watson and then some Jacoby Brissett. And this is sort of the Kevin Stefanski MO in a lot of He lets his starters practice a lot. And, you know, there we didn't see a lot of the, the quarterbacks down the depth chart in, in years past either. But uh, Robert from Ponte Vedra, Florida, wants to know, uh, Jacoby Brissett, do you see a path for the Browns to go five and three with him starting? Should Watson be suspended for eight games? Uh, I don't know. OTAs probably hasn't changed how you feel about Jacoby Brissett one way or another. But no. if, I, if Robert's sitting there thinking five and three, Ashley, is he is he crazy? So let me pull up the schedule because obviously, and I know Scott, you matter. feel this way that the <laughs> that the first four games are kind of winnable regardless who is there, right? Like we have Carolina week one, the Jets week two, the Steelers week three, the Falcons week four. Um, So that's four wins right there. I do think five and three is kind of doable, right? Like it feels like it might be, but it's it's more so of the, the pieces around Jacoby Brissett, right? Like I think you you probably don't need Jacoby Brissett to go out and win any of those games for you like your defense is going to win because they're they're that good and you just need Jacoby Brissett to not throw like four picks or three picks in a single game and not make their life significantly harder you just need him to kind of go out there and do a serviceable job um so I think the schedule is set up in their favor uh to get right around there but you know if it is if it is eight games that five and three prediction I don't see them winning the first four and then losing the next four uh, they have the Chargers, New England, Baltimore, Cincinnati after that. I think they can at least get one more win in there, if not more. I mean, no team wants to have a situation where their backup quarterback has to win them a game. Like nobody, nobody who's a backup in this league is a backup because they can do that. They're a backup because they're less likely to make a mistake. And I think that's really been uh, Brissett's MO. Like he, that's what he's been known for when he has gotten on the field is he doesn't make those crushing mistakes. Um, you know, and I think when you look at those first four games, you that's what you think about. You think, okay, you don't need like a superhuman effort. You wouldn't think to beat those teams. Now, maybe they're in exactly the same situation that the Steelers are in that meeting. You know, they, they would both have quarterbacks that aren't necessarily going to win the game, and then it just falls on everybody else around them. Who has the better defense in that game? Who has the better running game? You know, whose receivers make the most plays, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, definitely those first four games you look at and you think, 
that's not really a tough way to start off the season. And if it's got to be Jacoby Brissett, then, you know, you can maybe deal with that. But I have no idea if they can go five and three. I mean, two two weeks into the season, everything could change. I mean, we think about the quarterback and the fact that they, they might not have Deshaun Watson. Well, they might also not have this guy or that guy who, you know, got hurt in week one or training camp and the other teams may not have this guy or that it's who knows. Yeah. I mean, I mean, early in the year last year, they were going into a game when, when Nick Chubb was hurt. Right. And you had to throw Dearness Johnson out there. You had no idea how that, how that was going to go. So, you know, Mark Cooper could turn an ankle or, you know, and you, your guards you lost, could get hurt. You had yeah. two tackles get hurt in week one, and then it affected you the rest of the season in, in yeah, the case I mean, of last year. Yeah. Miles Garrett was playing hurt at the end of the year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many variables that, that it's really yeah. hard to know for sure. We always make but, predictions based on best case scenario, but it's never, yeah, it's never yeah. best case scenario. I, I definitely was uh, when I made my prediction, but I do stand by the schedule is set up in their favor. Yes. Like we're kind of regardless. So um, yes, with the caveat of a <laughs> devastating injury can unfortunately happen at just about any time in the game of football, uh, just on surface level, best case scenario, their schedule. Um, I think that's a solid prediction. Okay, Carloso from Plymouth, Massachusetts. I thought this was an interesting question because we, of course, have talked about this a lot uh, on this podcast. We've been hearing that the offense Stefanski will use this season will look very different from previous years. Is that something that Stefanski explicitly says or is it being inferred? Uh, He asks because repetition is important. Basically, he's kind of wondering how much Kevin Stefanski can change this offense to fit around Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, everybody has the 13 personnel stuck in their heads, but I, I mean, I just think the makeup of this roster beyond the quarterback kind of indicates we are going to see a different looking offense. Now it's not going to be the Rams, but you know, I, I mean, Scott, listening to Kevin talk yesterday about the tight end situation. And, and we, when we talked about Johnny Stanton, we talked about this, like there isn't a clear third tight end. I, I think we're going to see more 12. We are certainly going to see more 11. But I, I think some of those bigger bodied packages are probably not going to be used as often. And, and I think that's maybe one of the biggest changes. What, what they do might not change, but how they go about getting to that result might change. You may have different players playing, you know, the roles that tight ends did last year or something like that. Uh, now, when Watson was with the Texans, they did play a lot of 11 and a lot of 12. Uh, you know, I, I still think the Browns are going to be up there among the league leaders in rushing attempts. I don't think that's going to go away. Um, and we could end up seeing two running back formations a lot more this year, just finding a way to get Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb on the field together and kind of using them in tandem to, you know, along with Watson and his ability to run uh, can create a lot of opportunities. So if you have those three guys in the backfield, or at least starting in the backfield or even on the field together, uh, you can cause a lot of confusion and, and problems for a defense. So, I think at the end of the day, um, routes they run, the matchups they try to create um, could end up being similar. But again, you can have like Kareem Hunt doing a lot of things that maybe, you know, David Njoku was doing last year or, you know, something like that. Yeah, I, it seems to me like the nuts and bolts of the offense are going to be similar. I mean, the, the offense kind of is what it is, but we've seen so many variations of this around the league, you know, like Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and Kevin Stefanski and Matt LaFleur are all running kind of the same 
the basis of their offense is the same, but it looks different for every single one of those teams. And I, I, you know, maybe, maybe the changes, this looks a little more like it looks with Matt LaFleur and Green Bay. I, you know, I'm not saying they're going to just open it up and sling it all over the place, but Alex Van Pelt did make an Aaron Rodgers comparison yesterday. So I don't know. Um, There are steps you can take to make this offense look different and make it fit Deshaun Watson without turning it into something it hasn't been for the last two years. Oh, go ahead, Scott. To say he's not Lamar Jackson and that you have to just build the offense around what he does and maybe more specifically what he can't do. Um, It's not that I think I'm still expecting to see Deshaun Watson run more than he has in the past. He hasn't been, he he's gained a lot of yards running, but the majority of that's on scrambles. He's not a guy who's been among the league leaders and like designed runs. Uh, I'm expecting that to change. That might be a noticeable thing that people see. Um, but yeah, I think you're just looking for the, what routes is he good at throwing? What, um, what way is he more comfortable rolling out? What, uh, how you know deep patterns what is he more comfortable throwing things like that they're probably looking at yeah Ashley what what have you seen in OTAs about this offense the I don't know if it hasn't looked all that different but I mean it it it, I guess it does in some ways well and again the the caveat for every answer that a lot of this is scripted and players don't have pads (laughs) on but like you know last year obviously the big thing was there were not a lot of vertical plays down the field and you know we think a lot of that had to do with Baker's injury that he just wasn't able to complete those throws even though it was the non-throwing shoulder his throwing motion was still greatly affected considering he has a more violent type of throwing motion um so we have seen like a lot more of that I think and obviously like I said yesterday just the way Deshaun Watson is able to kind of process his options in the offense are different and yeah, like, you know, there's some weird things that we've been watching. I know, like, Scott pointed out, like, is Kareem Hunt going to end up, like, winding, lining up in, like, kind of more of a tight end? I don't know. Like, if they if they do kind of go by this philosophy of just find a way to get your best guys on the field, like, I think kind of everything's up in the air. But overall, I mean, I think we're just going to see the biggest thing that is jumps out at you right away when you're out there is just those vertical looks that we just – rarely saw last year especially late in the season I I think the other thing too is and this is sort of in contrast to Scott saying Deshaun Watson will run more I think the pocket passing game is good we're going to see that develop and you know I I do agree that the whole Deshaun Watson Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt like I don't know what a defensive coordinator does with those three guys and their ability to carry the football but I, I think Kevin wants to get that pocket passing game sharpened up and that was an issue with Baker um, it seemed like he really regressed there over from 2019 on. He just really regressed as a pocket passer. And I don't know if his size was an issue or the teams adjusted, but they they really had to get him out of the pocket. And I think that's one of the big changes we're going to see because Deshaun Watson is 6'2", maybe close to 6'3", you know, and, and, and he can manage a pocket. So I, I think I think that's maybe the biggest difference people will see. So it's a little thing. It's not formation necessarily but that's something that i think kevin wants to get going a little bit 
Um, all right, I think we are set. As always, we didn't get to every single question, but that's because our Football Insider subscribers are awesome. And they always send us too many, but keep trying every time we do one of these with our Hey Mary Kay or when we do a call out for questions, uh, keep firing away and we'll try to get to as many as we can the next time we do this. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast wherever you listen to pods, subscribe, rate, and review. And of course, become a Football Insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Ashley and Scott, I will talk to you later.